Hi there, my name is Adam Waters, and I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Bible Church in Elmhurst, Illinois. I'm just so glad that you made the decision to take us along with you this week on life's journey. Here at Grace Bible Church, we are a family of faith who seeks forgiveness, healing, and hope in Jesus Christ. Now, we might all come from different backgrounds, but each of us recognize that the tremendous needs in our lives point us to one place, to God, for His answers, His provision, and mostly, for His grace. I hope the following program gives you a new perspective on who God is, who you are, and how you too might find forgiveness, healing, and hope in our Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening. Yesterday was that yesterday? I said, "Are we going to do?" It's called a Wilcox chord. Something I learned. I want to share with you. There's, there was a couple blogs. You think you can do it? What is it? A B minor half suspended fifth or something like that. It's a particular chord that is sung when we sing "Word of the Father." That note right there. It was in a pastor's blog, and I was so impressed by how many of these guys said that they wait all Christmas to hear that one chord. When they're together and they wait and they hear not only the exaltation of the idea of the word of God, but sung with such an emotional, powerful chord is the highlight. And I got to say, I sat there and waited for it. And you guys did very well, very well. Christmas, Christmas gifts. You know, gifts often have power far beyond their monetary value. The giver's heart, really, and the planning and the wrapping of the gifts and the thinking about the gifts and the anticipating the joy of the receiver. I have a friend uh, that I served in the military with, and he came on Facebook. He said, can you please tell all the women in this world that dads just like to give? They don't really want anything. They are just enjoying themselves, sitting in their PJs, drinking up a cup of coffee, watching their family be happy. And I was astonished by how many of the guys in the comments said, amen, man. That's exactly right. There's something really blessed about giving rather than receiving. Is it not even Jesus said so? The real blessing is the moment that one unwraps the gift. The giver watches the face with anticipation. Is it the perfect one? Is it going to fit? Did they anticipate it? Did they know that this was the gift that was coming? And then hopefully this result, if all goes well, the receiver opens with wonder and excitement. I want you to think back throughout your life and what was your favorite Christmas gift? Is there one gift that stands out? Maybe you were a kid. You know, maybe it was that Red Ryder BB gun. Maybe it was that Easy Bake Oven. Maybe it was some video game that you were hoping mom and dad would get you, and they did. But think back on it. I think back on my life, and I think one of the most impactful ones was a fishing pole. I got it last year. It wasn't so much that the fishing pole was the great piece, but it was why I got it. You see, Elaine and I had gone on a little vacation. We'd actually gone down to Missouri to see friends of ours who lived there. And I was waiting. I was burnt out. I was waiting to go fishing. I was searching for weeks ahead of time. Where's the perfect place to fish? I brought my poles, put them in the back of the car, brought my tackle back of the car. We go all the way down to Missouri. We finally get our day. And we go out there. And I open the back of my car and I pull my fishing poles out. I brought two with me and they're pretty good poles. And I realized rather quickly that both of them were broken. The tips had been snapped off. Now, maybe I backslid's probably not the right word to say, but I was angry. I was angry because I knew who the last people to use that fishing, those fishing poles were. And I stewed 
and steamed, and I got to admit, I pouted. I sat on the edge of the river. Lane read a magazine. She knew better than to say anything to me, and I just thought, what am I going to do when I get home? By the end of the time, I got up, we got into the car, we left, and everything was okay. So come Christmas, five, six months later, Lane gives me a fishing pole because she remembered from six months, I don't know why I'm getting choked up about a fishing pole, six months later. And more than that, she got me a hard case to protect it so I could be ever thoughtful, pragmatic woman that she is, absolutely. And it really touched me, that gift, the meaning behind it, the memory of why it was given was something so profound for me. You know, as we consider our favorite gift, our best Christmas gifts, let us not forget the greatest gift of all. It sounds sort of cliche, but we say it because it's true. Adam in his invitation and the announcement this morning said that. There's a movie written about it with that title. We believe it as Christians, at least we need to, if we truly understand what it means for the Father to give the Son, which is what we're celebrating today, what we're commemorating here on Christmas. If we really understand it, I think all the things of this world begin to fade away. And the gifts here, no matter how great they are, no matter how much they touch our hearts, no matter how much thought was put into them or the joy we had when we received, will pale in comparison to what Christ has done for us, the gift that the Father has given us. The Father loved us so much that on the first Christmas morning, he gave. He gave the gift of salvation. This is the essence of the Christmas message. And we preach a Christmas message every time we preach the gospel, the truth that the Father gave. You know, we need to remember this. This is something that impacts our Christian life, and it's important for us. Otherwise, we minimize the role of Jesus in our Christian walk. We see Christ as an add-on. We say, well, yeah, we believe in God. We follow God. We try to be good people. We may even go to church and read the Bible and do, but the central component of all of that is Christ. And if we do not get our minds and hearts wrapped around that truth, our Christianity will fall short. Our faith will fall short. Or we'll minimize the love of the Father by underestimating his heart and the value of the Christ, Christ gift. Or we'll focus our attention. This is probably the biggest one. We'll focus our attention on other things. Out shopping, trying to get that perfect gift, trying to find the perfect deal, trying to make all of our resources spread over the cultural expectation of how many people we must buy gifts for and every gift must be of equal value and everyone gets the same number. It's so easy to focus on other things during the season. So today, we're going to go back to the basics for Christmas. This might be the most basic Christmas message you have ever heard and it might not be what you think. Today, we're going to talk about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. It's a famous verse. We see it everywhere at sporting events and on uniforms and on people's eye patches as they're on the football field or signs along the highway, more so <laughs> further south you go, thank God, and from street preachers. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It's not traditionally a Christmas message, is it? Or a verse. But I'm hoping that this morning you will see it differently so that every time you hear it, every time you read it, it'll remind you of Christmas and the greatest gift of all. So the text, again, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have 
eternal life. There's three very important pieces I want you to understand out of this simple verse. First, the gift of eternal life was planned and given in love. This Christmas message is a continuation of our love series. This is not a standalone Christmas message. We're talking about the love of God, and Christmas is perhaps, bar none, the greatest expression of God's love for us. The verse begins, For God so loved the world. It all starts with God. For God. He is the giver. He is the initiator of our salvation. There's nothing we could do. There's nothing we could bring. In fact, we were lost in our sin, blinded to the truth of who God was, yet God, out of his great love for us, acted. We couldn't bring anything because we had nothing to bring. You know, it's interesting. This is maybe not like Santa's naughty list. You know, if you're bad, you don't make it on the list, or maybe at best you get a lump of coal in your stocking. We're on the list specifically because we were bad. God knew that we could not save ourselves, and out of his great love for us, made a way. Made a way. Because there was no other way. You know, theologians and biblical scholars and Christians, we talk about some of these words, theological words, that have meaning and depth to them, but there's one that I want to really bring out. You know, first of all, we talk about omniscience. We say God knows everything. We say omnipotence, that God is all-powerful, his all-encompassing power to change events and, and things around him, his creation. We often don't talk about his omnisapience. Omnisapience is the word that means God's total, all-encompassing wisdom. That means that God uses the perfect means to achieve the perfect ends. The cross is God's best way. Indeed, the only way to achieve our salvation. You know that idea of omnisapiens? I was thinking about it this week because I was telling someone my story and they asked, did you really have to go through all of that? It's kind of a shame that you had to leave the military, become a drug addict, go to prison, so on and so forth all the way through my life. Isn't it a shame that you had to do all that? And in one sense, it certainly is because sin is never good. We hurt people around us when we sin. But... I know and I truly believe, and I believe this to be true about your life as well, that God has used the most perfect means to achieve the most perfect ends in your life. So when we come before God and we say, really, this, this is the way that you wanted to bring me closer to you, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a career, pain or illness, this is your best? The answer is yes. If there were a better way, if there were a more strategic way, God would have used it. God does not waste your pain. And the things that we suffer in the end are gifts as well. Hard truth for, for sure, but they are nevertheless. It says God so loved. That means from eternity past, God had his heart and his affection set on you. This has always been his plan. Revelation 14 calls the gospel the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. This has always been God's plan for you. And it came just in time. Galatians 4.4 4 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so they might receive adoptions, adoption as sons and daughters. How many of you wait for the last minute to shop? Our house was a little chaotic towards the end. People on Amazon hoping, trying to get things in time, looking for which mall had specific gifts. I have to drive 40 miles to get this one gift or this and that. 
I know I tend to be a last-minute shopper as well. I think there's some reasons. You know, I think either we're lazy, time gets away from us, maybe we're trying to get that perfect gift and we just can't find it, so we're waiting and we're waiting until that time runs out. Or we're lacking resources. We're waiting for the time when we have what we need in order to purchase or make what we're going to give. But I want you to know that God is not a Christmas Eve shopper. (laughs) He does not wait to the last minute to plan and to give our gift. He has known from eternity Think about the breathtaking nature of that statement. Think about that. That you're saved here. If you've trusted Christ and you are a child of God, it means that you were in his heart for eternity past. There's never been a time that God did not see you nor love you. Yet when the fullness of time came, he expressed that love by giving Christ his son. Not only did he have an eternal plan to save humanity, but I said, eternal plan to save you. We see this in Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us for adoption to himself. That means he planned beforehand. He decided beforehand. <laughs> I just lost my thing. Can you hand me my paper uh, right there? Not today, Satan. Back up. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption. That means that from eternity past, he knew. He knew that you would be a child of God and he worked things out for your good that that would happen at just the right time. As sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. Seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the richness of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. At just the right time, God called us. God sent his son so that he would unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You know, the so and for God so loved the world does not mean that he loved us so much, although that is true. The word so is more probably better translated thusly. This is how God loved us. God loved us like this, that he sent his son, the gift of Christ, the gift of eternal and sacrificial love for us. It does not say that God so loved the church or that God so loved Israel or God so loved believers, but the world. Last week we talked about how the word cosmos, this is this world, can mean the sinful order of things or the sinful humanity that innervates it. Here he's talking about the sinful humanity. God loves sinful humanity. He sees his image in us. And he loves us so much that he sent his only son. He loved those set against him in their waywardness. I don't know about you, but I wasn't just sort of apathetic towards God. I was actively opposed to him. Scripture says that we were too, that all of us are, even if it doesn't seem that way. And yet in that, even in that, most of us would say, well, if you don't want me, I'm going to leave, walk away. But God loves us like this, that even in the face of that, he sent his son, the greatest gift of all, that we would have salvation. When we didn't deserve it, when we didn't earn it, And there's nothing we can do to keep it. That is how God loves us. Second principle for this morning, the gift of eternal life is wrapped 
in Christ. Sort of a Christmas idea, wrapped. God gave his son, and in his son is eternal life, is salvation. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Christmas, when everything is said and done, is about the giving of the second person of the Trinity to be born as man in the incarnation. The word become flesh. In fact, we get the word incarnation from the Latin, which basically means to be encloaked in flesh, to be flesh-covered incarnation. It's a miracle and a mystery that's often lost on us. I don't know about you, but I mean, I get more, I don't know, warm and fuzzies about seeing a Christmas tree with cool lights and that you know, cozy feeling that Christmas brings. But the real feeling, the real mystery, the miraculousness of this all is in the fact that God came to earth as a man, Jesus, to die for us. Christ was born of God the Father through the Holy Spirit and through Mary. You know, no one else had been born like that except Adam and Eve. It was a direct intervention by God. He was not hoping for two people to get it right. God intervened, and he still does. There might be something going on in your life during this Christmas season, and you're having a hard time celebrating because you're always distracted by this other piece. Everything has this sour note to it. You love your family, but this thing wielding its head. You wish to give good gifts. You want to love well, but you're constantly distracted by this thing. I want you to know that God made a direct intervention for our salvation, and God can make a direct intervention in your issue right now. He can. When we pray to him and we call upon him in faith, God does act. The Christmas story, the birth of his son is proof. We just need to look for it. You know, the mystery of the incarnation, the infinite meeting the finite. Purity meets pollution. The two natures of Christ, both God and man in one person. This gift is of infinite value. Infinite value. I have a friend texted me a couple days ago. He said, you got to understand my friend, he's, a, he's seeking something. Right now, he's probably most closely aligned with Buddhism. And so he's meditating, he's trying to read Buddhist texts, he's trying to understand what it means to be a Buddhist, and out of nowhere, he texts me and he said, well, I know the problem in Buddhism is suffering, and the answer is detachment. But what about Christianity? What is the problem Christianity is trying to solve? <laughs> so I went to type, I said, no, wait, I gotta wait. Lord, tell me what to say, I can't. So I told him, the problem is sin. Not only the sin in us, the moral corruption that moves us to do things that are unrighteous and self-centered, but the sin that is in the world, that which causes disease and catastrophe and problems, you know, the hard things of life. I said, that's the problem. And the only answer is Jesus. Well, how can Jesus solve that? Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus was the sacrifice that allowed that sin to be judged. So in us, we stand before God perfectly righteous when we trust him, when we put our faith in him. And one day at the end, God will remake everything new and the sin that is in this world will be no more. Can you imagine living in a place, I think about this sometimes when things are just getting hard. Can you imagine living in a world where there is no bad things? Nothing. We try to create utopia here on earth. We know it's impossible. They do it again and again. No, but God promises that one day, in the fullness of time, we will stand before him sinless in reality. 
in truth, where that sinful root in us will be removed and we will live forever with each other in him. I hope you like one another because we're going to be with each other for a long time. But all that annoying stuff we do with each other will be gone. We'll be gone. It will be perfect. Lots of religions purport to have the key to happiness and eternal life, but it's only through Jesus. Finally, third point, the gift of eternal life, while it's wrapped in Christ, it's unwrapped by us in faith, by faith. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's anyone. Older translations say whosoever. Bottom line is, in Greek, it means anybody. Anybody who wishes whosoever. But gifts, by their very nature, must be received. A gift can be extended and it can be denied. I don't want it. But in the end, that is not a gift received. The gift of salvation is extended to us. And all we have to do is receive it by faith. We take the gift. We say, I believe. We say, I trust. This is not just something that we do at the beginning of our Christian walk either. This is something we do every single day of our life. When posed with an issue, do I go left my way or do I go right God's way? Do I receive the gift of salvation again by faith and walk in that? We receive the gift of God in Christ and we trust Christ as our Lord. You see, it's part of the human sinful condition, though, to make additional stipulations. Isn't there something about our hearts that wants to get it for ourselves? I mean, look what we try to accomplish in our world around us. We say, yes, it's faith, but it's also baptism as well. Or it's faith, yes, but you also need to take communion as well. Or attend church a certain number of times per year. You guys are cool, don't worry about it. Or if you don't commit these pet sins. Or if you have certain theological knowledge or your doctrinal purity is such like ours. But I'll give you an example. I need two volunteers. Two volunteers. Emily, Kevin. Come on up, Kevin. Volunteer means you got to get up here, man. All right. They're wearing maroon too. My goodness, we did not organize this. This is the Lord doing this. Okay. Sometimes we talk about the gift of salvation. It's a beautiful gift. It's wrapped in beautiful wrapping. And we say all you have to do is receive it and open it by faith. And here is a gift. It's an awesome gift. You're going to like this gift. Okay? Here, open it. <laughs> this is what we do. We tell people that the gift of salvation is available to them and then make a million stipulations in the way. Okay? This is, it's okay. You've done it. Okay. I don't know how long it would take. It is impossible to unwrap the gift of salvation that some of us want to extend to people or the way that we frame it so that all we got to do is receive it by faith. Oh, thanks and open it with a thousand other things. I want you to know today that Christ is telling you, trust him. That's it. Trust him. And the way we trust him is to receive him by faith. Now, there's a really awesome gift in here. This gift of salvation looks as beautiful as the other one, doesn't it? It's got a nice candy cans. I'm so glad I found this box. Okay. Do you want this gift? Yeah. Here, take this gift. All you have to do to open it is receive it by faith. So I tr there's something in there. Do you believe me? Open it up. What's in there? A gift card. This one's for him, Home Depot. <laughs> this one's for you, coffee. All right. 
There she comes. Look at her. Daddy. St stole the show. All right. Thank you guys for participating. God bless you. Merry Christmas. All right. Simple illustration. But the truth is there. It's profound. We tell people when they come into the church, or I tell people, we, and we preach the gospel, we say, trust the Lord, and he will give you salvation. And then we say, now that you've trusted the Lord, here's the thousand things that you need to do to keep it. We could never do anything to earn our salvation, and we cannot do anything to keep it. God, in his grace, through Jesus Christ, has given to us the greatest gift, and he does not take it back. We receive the gift by trusting him, by faith in him, Simple faith. The belief that, God, that John here is talking about in John 3.16 is a particular type of faith. It's not just a, I believe certain tenets of the faith. It means I trust. The word is pistis, trust. When we've embraced the faith, the gift of eternal life by faith, several things will happen. We'll feel that sense of being called by God. We'll obey out of a place of love and not just duty because we're not earning anything. It's already been given to us. We'll have a deepening sense of our sinfulness and God's holiness. I got to tell you, if you're struggling with temptation, if you're seeing how difficult life is, if you're seeing what's really in your heart, that means that you're seeing God is more holy. There are times every once in a while where I'll just have an off-the-wall thought, and I know it happens to all of you too. That's why I can say it with such certainty. I believe those off-the-wall thoughts are God revealing to us what really resides here, what is really there, that out of his goodness and out of his grace covers for us. That is what, we're, what, that is, what is there. Yet God in his goodness through Christ saves us. So God is offering us all a gift today. For those who've already accepted this gift of eternal life in Christ, it's a moment to consider, what are you doing with it? You've been saved. Now what? What does it mean to be in relationship with Jesus? For me, I just don't want to be saved and say, okay, good, I'm not going to hell. That's done. I want to live the life Jesus talks about, about having life and life to the full. Don't you want to have a life of joy and peace and suffering, but suffering with meaning, knowing that what you're doing in the trail, the, the path that you're walking with Christ is more than just pain for pain's sake. What are you doing with your salvation? Are you taking advantage of the gift? Or are you neglecting it? Are you beginning to see this gift as something you must earn to keep and not just something you must receive by faith? Are you commending the gift to others with a simple, removable top? Or is it wrapped in impossible packing tape? Looks clear. The gift looks beautiful, but it's impossible to actually get. For those of you who may have not have trusted the Lord yet with your eternal destiny, today is the day. Today is the day. This Christmas could be the gift. When you say, what was the greatest gift you've ever received? 2022, Christmas morning, in a half-full church of diehards, God bless you. <laughs> I made the decision to receive the gift that God has extended to me to open it by simple faith and trust him. Trust him at his word that when we do, we shall be saved. We will not perish. 
but will have eternal life. So the gift of God was wrapped and given in love. The gift of eternal life is wrapped in Christ, and the gift of eternal life is unwrapped by simple faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for our families, for the blessings that we have. We thank you, Lord, for the hard things too because we know that you are making us exactly who you want us to be. Help us, Lord, to see our suffering in your, through your eyes. Help us, Lord, to sense the meaning in what you are doing in us so that we just don't suffer for suffering's sake. We pray this Christmas that you would give us deep insight, Lord, into who we are, the extraordinary nature of the gift in Christ for our salvation. We pray, Lord, that we would be people of peace as we meet with family, as we gather, that we would be amicable and loving and constantly showing forth who Christ is in us. I pray, Lord, that you would bless these families and these kids. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Adam here. Well, I want to thank you for tuning in to Grace Bible Church, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's program or of ways that we can be praying for you and with you. So check us out on social media at GBCL. Also, if you would like to support our ministry, you can give securely at our website at www.gbclm.org. Now remember, God loves you, and so do we.